We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. And we are back, everybody. This is probably going to be the best episode of all time, largely because it's Katie and I and Jay. As we've been talking about, we murdered him. He's no longer part of best hour of their day. <laughs> so... Welcome to ownership, I'm the new Katie. Partner. Yeah, it's welcome good. to ownership. This is great. So happy to be here. Um, Thanks for yeah. having me. <laughs> yep, this is great. I'm already happier. We're going to be on time. We won't have nearly as many uh, rabbit holes to go down. Um, <laughs> and at no point is anybody going to reference being a level four. So that is something that everybody listening to the podcast has something to look forward to. It's true. Do you, would you like me though to mention at least once that you played Division One basketball? Would that just yeah, just happen? throw it in. We could count that yeah. right there, and then we oh, there we go. It, Mentioned we, it. We can get it out yeah. of the way. So uh, there we go, everybody. We fulfilled all of Jay's uh, inputs to the show at this point, <laughs> and we'll get to business. Uh, so, Katie, I have a question for you. Okay. What would you consider to be a pleasant retail experience in any in any purchasing environment so we're not specifically talking about crossfit affiliates but like if you go to the store what would you consider to be a pleasant experience well i guess if i walked into a store the first thing i would look at is how well organized things are and how easy it is to find something okay i uh i would agree with that what else okay um the interaction you have with the person who might be working there. Okay, so th- this one's interesting, right? Because like some people, this is, I think this depends on your personality type, right? Oh, so yeah. you, you want to have an interaction with somebody? If they are, I guess I'm thinking about walking into a store if someone greets Being you or greeted. is going to welcome it. you. Right, yeah. right. Got it. Okay. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's probably retail environment dependent. But like, right, I kind of like right. when I walk into five guys, when like everybody behind the counter says, says hello, like that's their thing yeah. at five guys. So yeah. you, you do too, apparently based on by their, your reaction to that. You're like, yeah, <laughs> I do like that a lot. They recognize um, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the reason I'm asking Katie that is because what we're going to talk about today is how to not suck at retail, which mm-hmm. the vast majority of CrossFit gyms suck at retail. And a lot of people have an aversion to the, to just the, topic or discussion of retail because the automatic assumption is that I have to be salesy in order to do well at retail. And when I say salesy means like you have to be a pusher. You don't have to be a pusher. And and so I think it's probably good. How many things, how many CrossFit pieces of gear do you own, Katie? Um like CrossFit specific like Reebok or like if a, a, a local affiliate uh, actually we'll go with both because both are relevant. And, and the point is that like, there's a, we were having this discussion earlier, like the CrossFit has, uh, essentially costumes. Like when you show up to like, you're either wearing the <laughs> costume or you're not wearing the costume and everybody know, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Like, okay, that's a CrossFit costume. That's a CrossFit costume. Like this guy's new. Doesn't right. Have, like, doesn't have the costume. Right. Yet. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So how many things that like, if you walked into a gym, could we line up and somebody could identify you as a CrossFitter with? Um, honestly, not that many. I think I'm a one-off where I don't actually have anything Reebok or anything that says CrossFit. I wear Nike shoes, but I have a lot of local, like from gym boxes I've dropped into. The what kind of Nike shoes? Um, like, no, just running shoes. What? <laughs> I know. I know. All right. You're, just, no, you're no I just threw this whole episode off. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're, you're no longer a partner. <laughs> But like, okay, so what kind of sh- what kind of uh, shorts or pants do you wear? Um, Fabletics leggings, almost exclusively. Right. And okay, that's so that, it. That yeah. would be considered in the CrossFit. Uh, you would consider Fabletics a CrossFit. Brand? Well, it's part of the costume. Like they're they are okay. like workout pants or shorts, right? Okay. Okay. Like there's a genre, right? Like it's yeah. not like, it's not, I'm not referring to one specific brand. I'm not. It's not like it's not, I'm not like Born Primitive or Reebok or Rogue. Got or, it. But like collectively we would find these things on a very regular basis in the CrossFit. Yeah. Okay. Right. So do you have a weight belt? I do. Yes. Right. Do you have a jump rope? I do. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a headband of some sort? I do not, but I have lifters. I have lifters. Okay. There you go. Mm -hmm. You you still lift, but you still do CrossFit in your, in your Nike squishy shoes. So it's time (laughs) time to get get with the program. Uh, (laughs) uh, Do you have like, athletic tape or wristbands or wrist wraps or anything a uh, shaker bottle i have a shaker bottle yep okay cool so okay. we've delisted it and then you have a you said you have a plethora of t-shirts yes absolutely tankers. yes what about sports bras are you like a born primitive lululemon Nike? nah tj Maxx. so but oh, so well. <laughs> crossfit on a budget everybody uh, <laughs> so but the point is like we could easily pull some things out where you would walk in and you wouldn't look out of place. Okay. And sure. the, whole, yeah. the, whole, the whole point of bringing that up is understanding that the, your customers are consumers of other brands and they have no problem being a consumer of your brand or products that you would provide and you don't have to be pushy about them. So what, I, what we kind of want to talk about is just leading with that in the sense that like people are going to buy things. And if they like your gym and if you have the community that you tout, they would prefer to buy them from you. Just don't gouge them on prices, right? Stuff like that. Um, have you ever had a Kill Cliff or a Fit Aid or a C4 or a, a Bang? Or I have. I've had, yep, I've had Fit Aid. Cool. So you would drink that as well. So again, that would be mm-hmm. part of the costume. Okay. Right. You have a, what kind of backpack do you have? Do you have a backpack? <laughs> I, um, it's just, it's a Disney world Say backpack so that I'm not, not shocked about. Actually, I was hoping <laughs> either Disney world or like LL bean, but no, it's Disney. Um, and I also have a USA track and field backpack just from my track days. But yeah, my Walt Disney world backpack is the one I use pretty exclusively. So were you a steeplechase athlete. Is that what your, was that your, I, my main event was the triple jump, but I also did the hundred meter hurdles. So the triple jump. Yes. It's very obscure. As we would say in the basketball world. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's been a minute since I've triple jumped, but we, I mean, I guess we'll have to see next week when we uh, play you 2v2 are, or one-on-one. I did not know that about you. And we're definitely going to have you dunk on Jay. If you're a triple jumper, <laughs> we're going to have you fucking dunk on that guy. Um, that's going to be amazing. Okay. So <laughs> the, the point of all of this is that 
understanding that, then what I need to do is provide the environment with which people would purchase. And you do not have to be pushy about things. They're going to buy them anyway. What I have to do is lay out a series of things that would make it convenient for somebody to do that. Um, and the first thing is, is so there's, there's, there's plan, there's a, there's a strategy, and then there's experience is the way I would kind of, uh, I, I would kind of like categorize some of these things. Um, and so let's, let's go with the more tangible portion of this, which is like your space. And I think what can be Lindsay and I have fights about it, this all the time. And I always win. Cause I'm right. Um, <laughs> that's how you determine winning. Cause you're right. Sure. Yep. Um, so we just revamped our, our lobby here at CrossFit Rife. And I gave her that task because she likes to do that stuff. She likes to organize things. She likes to make them pretty. She likes to do all that stuff. So um, what we did was I was like, hey, I gave her a budget and I was like, redesign this like Ikea yourself to death. Like, I don't care. Um, but it just stay within this budget. So she designed something that looks really, really nice. And that is kind of what you were referring to when you started, which is like the the visually it needs to be appealing. What it should say is like, come over here and buy something. Okay. And part of that is how it's displayed. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. You can have like cubicles, you can have lighting, you can have shirt displays, you can have mannequin bodies and heads. I mean, you can go real crazy with all this stuff, um, but you don't need a ton there. Um, but if you can put some, I would tell you this for a thousand bucks, you could create a beautiful retail area that would pay for itself in a matter of one to two months easily. Do you have in that thousand dollars, like, set standards of what you would say people should have. So you should definitely get a rack to hang your clothes or a mannequin to put I do um, that clothes on. The mannequin is just like some people are like freaked out by mannequins. So that's kind of like, do you want a mannequin <laughs> there or not? Um, yeah. So, I, but here's what I will do. I do think a rack, having played around with this a number of ways, a rack, and this is where I win when we have the arguments with, with Lindsay. So she hates so we, if you walk in the lobby immediately along, when you walk into your right, there's a rack right there. And then if you were to just kind of walk, it's like a four feet long, right? And then if you walk around that, then is where I have all the displays. I got t-shirts and bottles and shakers and, and supplements and all that other kind of, and all that is like very, it's like there's, there's t-shirt displays on these cubes and then um, lighting and all of them. But it's like, you could buy a standard like cubicle setup from Ikea. Okay. And the rack, which she hates, sells the most. <laughs> Not because of the rack, but because of right. where it's placed, right? Mm. It's placed at the door. So they walk by it literally every day. And I know this, so I know how we sell things. It's I, like, this is a very archaic way of doing it, but it's just like my sanity check on it. I look at the numbers all the time, but I just walk in like every day, I pull two or three empty hangers off of there, sometimes four or five. Wow. And I'm like, well, either they stole it or somebody bought a shirt, but I know they bought it, right? Which we'll get to later. So placement is important right? It shouldn't be tucked away somewhere. Like A, it should be inviting and it should be placed in high traffic areas. So this is like, if you go into uh, any big box stores like Sears or Macy's or even grocery stores, everybody that has an item placed in one of those stores, right? They're, they are resellers by, by nature. This is not a wholesale store. It's not direct to consumer. This is a middleman. They pay for placement because if I pay more money, the likelihood of turnover is significantly higher. Right. So like in the grocery stores, eye level is where the big dollars get spent. 
And that's how right. grocery stores make a lot of money is people pay them for placement. So what happens is I pay to have something at eye level on a specific, on a specific aisle because it's more likely to get purchased by putting it there. So figure out where your high traffic areas are and then start to build your retail area around there. And it could hmm. be extravagant or it could be very simple, but the principles would still apply. Call back to a previous episode about principles, not rules. The principles of it's pleasantly uh, it's pleasing to the eye and it's in a high traffic area and then figure out like what that would look like for your space. So, um, yeah, I don't typically have like, these are the one or two things, but like a, a, a rack does work. It's also portable and I can move it around and I can kind of AB test it repeatedly over and over and over. So, um, but that rack right by the door sells every single time. And she's like, I hate that thing. And I'm like, I don't care. It sells, right? Like people rip t-shirts off that thing every day, all day. So it's super important to do that. Um, so that's the first thing is like, take a look at your space and like, does this look, and if you want examples, go to like Lululemon or go to, um, what was the brand you said earlier? Fabletics. Fabletics. Do they have a, do they have a box store? Is that all online? I think it's all online. I don't yeah, think probably. they have an actual store. Yeah. Many of them are, but everybody's been to like Lululemon is probably the primary one that most crotters, crossfitters have been into. And I will tell you, uh, having been an ambassador for Lululemon and then knowing the, the manager there for years here locally in Virginia Beach, they spend a lot of time just moving things around in there. Like they bring in designers and figure out where things go so that they sell faster. So that's the first piece is like placement and aesthetically, what does it look like when I look at that? So those are the tangible ones. So that's where people like, they can see that right? That one's important. Meaning like everybody who's listening can envision that, but the customers also see it. I want to put somewhere where they're just not, I don't want to tuck it in the back corner where nobody ever goes and nobody will ever see it. And then people are like, Oh, you guys have a retail area. Like, I didn't know that. Right. Like, put something in there where they have to walk by it. Um, and then they will do it. Pete, this is why people spend more money when they go to the grocery store versus ordering online. Cause you have oh. impulse, you have impulse buys, right? Right. right. You, have, you have impulse buys. So that's the first piece. The second piece would, and we'll kind of stay on that same uh, kind of lane there. This is kind of like directly adjacent to that is um, point of sale, like making this convenient. And this is probably the biggest pain point for most affiliate owners. Um, so like the gyms you've been at, Katie, like how would you buy something if you wanted to buy it at the gym, whether it's a foot aid or a t-shirt or something like that? For the gyms that I've been at, it's, you have to go, if there's like a counter, typically right. you go up and you ask, or you say you want to purchase something right. um, and then you can pay there. Right. So, which is, which is not terrible, right? But there is, there's a, what I would describe is there's a barrier there. There's a barrier to purchase. Um, now, right. there's a difference between like a, a secured point of sale and a barrier. Barrier is like, it's in the way. It's like, it's a friction point. Uh, a secure point of sale is like, how am I? how am I actually making the transaction, right? And the basic two ones, like some sort of electronic uh, or the, you know, the old 2007 terrible idea of sign out sheet, right? Like I'm gonna sign my name on the spreadsheet. Like, so for the record, stop doing that, everybody. It's terrible. Um, so those would be the, that would be the point of sale. But what I'm referring to is like, what is the ease of checkout? And what I would tell you is like, I want to make it really, really, really easy. Okay. Now people do have concerns about stealing and I'm like, do you think people in your gym are stealing? Right. <laughs> the answer is typically no. Like, do we have some right. knuckleheads who might walk out occasionally? For sure. However, they typically come back and say, I need to pay you for that. Mm -hmm. So what's the solution for that? Which is have some sort of convenient kind of self-serve 
kiosk, right? Because because you know all of these people. This is not like a 7-Eleven where I have to trust strangers. So I can use this to my advantage to make checkout very easy. And this is where I think you could do the uh, the retail function in Wattify. I don't think PushPress has that, but I could be totally wrong. I'm not super familiar with PushPress. Um, look it up. Yeah, and then uh, I don't know about um, either uh, Zen Planner or MindBody Online. I think they have uh, retail, but they're typically not great, um, like the self-serve kiosk portion of that. This is where I think WheelPay crushes. The, the retail experience in WheelPay is, in my personal opinion, second to none, to the point where I've had people buy things and they're like i i might have just stolen something from you like i don't even know if i paid that was so fast and so easy that i'm not even that i'm not even sure that i paid for it right which and people will tell me they're like man i'm just i'm buying a lot of shit from you lately and i'm like because it made it easy i put it in a high traffic yeah. area and then i made it as easy as humanly possible for you to get the thing that you wanted so I have to look at what is the process for checkout? How many barriers are involved in there? Do I have to A, go get a coach and then wait at the counter for me to give you my credit card? Um, and you might think that, and, I, and you might think that the checkout, the writing the name of spreadsheet is convenient. It's not because that is not paid for, right? right? It's not paid for if they just walk out of the building. So I want both. I want them to pay for the item and I want it to be convenient. I don't want it to be convenient with lack of paying for the item. And I don't want it to be inconvenient to pay for the item. I want them to pay for it right there on the spot. And I want it to be as convenient as humanly possible. So this is where I think wheel pay is, is, is light years in front of everybody else. If you've ever seen the, uh, the Amazon, have you seen that old Amazon commercial when they were doing the Amazon store, like the brick and mortar store, where it's like a panning video of a guy, he like walks into the store, grabs something out of the refrigerator and then walks out. Mm-mm. Yeah, when you watch the video, I'm like, did I just witness a theft? Is that what just <laughs> happened? But that's how easy I want to make retail for people because if they can just walk in, grab what they want and walk out, they will purchase more things, particularly if you have good items. So yeah. the first one is, is make sure it looks good, make sure it's a high traffic area. Second is like figure out a way to make it really easy for checkout. And there's lots of third-party ways you can do it. You could do Venmo, you could do PayPal, stuff like that. Those are a little bit more difficult because you... <laughs> the actual UX version of that is not great. When I say UX, I mean user experience on there and like they can't see, there's nowhere for them to go through an itemized list of what they're doing. You can do all that in WheelPay, hmm. which I think is great. So um, reach out to those guys, have a conversation with them, but we use it and, and it's like off the charts good with regard to retail experience. Now from there, then I get into the more kind of abstract ideas of retail. And, the, and what we're talking about is like margin, right? So the first one is margin, okay? And I, I would tell you, if you're not getting 40% margin or more on a product, you should ditch it just straight up. Like it's not worth it. Find another vendor. Wow. Um, and, and typically in the CrossFit space, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the products, specifically supplements, um, are not great. So if you are getting less than 40% margin, my recommendation to you is keep searching, keep making phone calls and be like, what's the margin? Like 20% garbage, find another one. How did you come up with the 40% margin? Uh, like a standard. Well, part of that is I have uh, a, a bit of background in wholesale retail. So I know what cost is, right? Okay. I know what cost, like t-shirts, if you're not getting hundred percent margin on t-shirts, it's a shit deal. Um, hmm typically re like typically apparel is 80 to 100 markup if you're buying it in the store 
typically. Yeah, wow. it, it, okay. it's high. They should be good margins. Um, with regard to the other items, so the so there's two things with this. A, I, I, um, it's I should be making money on it, but then B, I need a margin big enough that I can create incentives, right? So things like bundling or having a sale rack. So if you've got a, a, a stack of old teas you're trying to get rid of, I should still be able to mark that off 25% and still make money on that, hmm. right? Even if it's, even wow. I've now bringing it from 25 to 15 or 25 to 85%, right? If I, if I have a hundred percent margin on the t-shirt and I bring 25% off, I still got a 75% profit margin on that. So you need to find things that allow you to basically stack cash in there, even if it's not a lot of cash so that, that now retail pays for itself, right? If you do this right, you should have to make one investment and then have the plan that like, when I sell this, this actually facilitates the purchase of the next group of things. And I can do that okay. over and over and over as I go through. So the margins need to be appropriate. Um, and, and depending on where you get like the drinks and stuff like that, you can get a hundred to 80% margin on some of them, right? Like if you, you can get some of those drinks down, if you search long enough and go to like, you can get, you can buy, you know, the Kill Cliffs, the Fit Aids for a dollar a can, a dollar ten, dollar fifteen, just, you know, get savvy, do the live the coupon life, right? Like you, um, Honey works, the app Honey. Have you, have you ever used that, Katie? No, I haven't. It's a widget on your computer where it will just search coupon codes on everything. Like if you were getting to certain oh. websites, it'll activate coupons on it and it'll be like, hey, do you want to try this one? You hop it in there, it's like, you save 30%. I'm like, oh, I was going to pay a dollar sixty for that can, but now I just paid a dollar ten for it. So, that now makes this very profitable. Wow. Um, yeah, that stuff, that stuff definitely works, but, um, and, and some of them are going to be a little bit different as you go through. Right. But I've got, I've got like impulse buys, which is like the fit aids, the protein cookies, like those are impulse buys. Like I walk by them, oh, I'm going to get that. Like, and you consider impulse buys to be low dollar figure. The other ones are like, I need a strategy for that. These are like higher dollar figure, like t-shirts, hoodies, hats, stuff like that. They're going to, somebody's going to pay 25, 45, 50 bucks for something like that. Yeah. Those have to be strategies involved, which leads to the next thing is I need to have a strategy with regard to doing that. So the strategy is long-term. So I can, I can have like a t-shirt strategy. So the t-shirt strategy is I'm going to roll out 10 um, designs this year. I'm going to roll them out in this order right? If you want to do pre-orders, great. Some of you might do pre-orders. Some of you might not. Those might just be like surprise, be like, boom, check out these hot shirts. If you order in the next three days, you get 10% off, stuff like that. And if we're running a hundred percent profit margin, I can do that, but it's 10% off for like three days. And then it's full price after that. You'll get 10 to 15 people bite off on that. And then they're rolling around the next day wearing that shirt. People are like, there's new shirts. And they're like, yep. And they're like, I'm going to get that shirt right now. Um, so the strategy with how you do that works. And this is how you can, this is how, this is how with my current members, I can like roll those out pretty quickly, but this, I can also introduce this to my new folks. And if it's designed nice and they walk past it, they're like, Oh, they have retail, they have shirts here. Right. Going back to the uniform thing that we talked about earlier. Listen, that new guy who's wearing Keds and bike shorts, right. Wants the, wants to be in the club. Mm-hmm. So give them the opportunity to be in the club, be them, give them the opportunity to wear the costume. Like nobody wants to be the odd man out. So give them that opportunity and they will buy it. So, and then if they, you could do, you could do, you could get so crazy with this. Like you can put so many incentives in place to be like, Hey, uh, for your first month, all retail is 15% off. And they're like, okay, cool. Like I really wanted to get a shirt anyway. Right. Yeah. They'll buy it. Right. They're new. So why not give them an incentive to buy that kind of stuff? Right. Cause they want it anyway. Right. They're like, should I get protein? 
I'm like, I don't know. What's your goal? I'm like, I really want to put on some muscle mass. I'm like, cool. Then you should probably get some protein. Right. But if they're like really trying to lose some weight, I'm like, no, probably not. <laughs> yeah. So strategy is important. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a ton of ways to do that, but you know, think of basically two buckets. I've got my people that are coming in the door. They're new. And I've got my, I've got my, my OGs that have been around for a while. And I need, my strategy needs to be, you know, blanketed over all both sets of people. So I need to have that strategy in place. Right. Um, and then the, the last point is kind of, you know, the, the strategy in the system is kind of the same thing, but there's a, the strategies are more like the, the bundles, the 10% off sale rack, you know, like the new member sale, like those are the strategies and tactics. The plan is like zooming out. This is macro. So strategies would be micro and then the plan and, and overall um, system that would be macro, right? This is kind of like uh, the referral program, right? There's a difference between an off referral offering and a referral program. A program is like something that would systematically put the referral offer in front of people. That's what makes it a program. If you just have an offer, there's no way that I'm systematically very deliberately actively putting it in front of people. That's not a program. That's just an offer. So when it comes to retail, I've got the strategy part of it and I've got the offer, which is like bundle and save, pre-order and save, blah, 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 blah. That's the, that's the kind of like offer, the plan or the program is how I'm rolling these things out and how I'm introducing them, how I'm introducing the new people. Am I doing tastings, stuff like that. So think about how you're doing your retail and then start rolling this out. And if you do this correctly, you never have to sell anybody anything. They will just buy it, right? Just give them the opportunity, educate them, make it a pleasant experience, and they will buy things. Uh, most CrossFit gyms should be doing a minimum of $1,500 to $2,000 a month in retail. And you will, and if you do this correctly, it will be something that could do a ton of other things like fund your equipment fund, right? So like, that's how we, that's how we run ours. So I have a threshold in there. Anytime we have more money in that account than what the threshold is. Cause that threshold is based on if I had to buy all this shit right now, like in one big bulk buy, that's how much I would need. Anything that goes above that gets transferred over to equipment buy. So now retail starts to fund equipment purchases. And by the way, it's cool. If you tell people that too, <laughs> they know where the money's going now. They're like, you mean if I buy this kill cliff, that could potentially lead to a new bike. I'll take two kill cliff then or fit eight or bang or C4 or whatever. But the point is I have to have these strategies in place paired with the tactics that's laid on top of convenient point of sale and a, an appropriately placed display that is visually appealing that has good margins. Like that's how you roll that out. And that's how you make this something that is not quite frankly, a fucking nightmare for affiliates. <laughs> that is yeah. just a money pit, right? I would argue you should be able to drink a ton of your product and not lose any money. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm saying you should have it built in that if you drank a fit eight every single day, it wouldn't fucking matter. Hmm. So. so if you have a, I have a question. Um, one of your favorite phrases is things being a dumpster fire if they're right. just terrible. So if yeah. someone's retail is just a dumpster fire, a total mm -hmm. mess, and with everything you just outlined, what would you offer to them as what is the first step they should do if just it's a complete wreck do this first display and location right because display and location you could you could as i like to say you could do this low rent 
right? Because you could really beef up and beautify display and location, probably spending little to no dollars. Like you could go find some furniture stuff that nobody's using or ask somebody like you could really like Facebook market, you buy some stuff for like 20 bucks and you could really dial this in, right? Like you could go to Home Depot and buy a couple pipes and make a and hanging rack for like 10 bucks. So that's the first thing. So f- those are two easy ones, right? It's like, hey, where should this go? Do we need to move it? And then does it look like crap? And if it looks like crap, make it not look like crap. So those are the first, that is where I would go first because it involves very little time, effort, and money. Got it. So start there. Uh, and And if you're wondering like what that would look like, again, go to, just go shop, go out to an outlet mall and just like walk around, be like, hmm, why do they put that rack there? Ask yourself that, like, why is that rack there? It's probably there for a reason. It's not because they were just like, hmm, this looks like a good spot. That's not why they put that there. They put that there because like you're going to walk by it seven times based on the way the floor is laid out. And you walk by it the sixth time, you're like, hmm, I think I'll buy that belt. I have no idea why I would buy that belt, but now I want it. So think about that. And if you're not sure if it works, just play around with it. Move it around. Rearrange the order of the shirts. Put the light ones on the front. Put the dark ones in the back. Like put the or Switch them around. Put the black shirts on the front end and see if those sell faster than the blue ones or the green ones. Right? Do the, if I put the tanks forward, do those sell faster? right? Do women buy more retail than guys? Like, I don't know, look, look at your gym, but then you're going to look at product placement as you go through and do it that way. And if you don't want to spend any money, right? Because you shouldn't on the front end, you don't have to pre-order everything, do a pre-order for t-shirts, do a pre-order for some supplements, roll both of those out, take your margin, reinvest it in either more product or beautifying your stuff. That way you don't have to spend any money, collect the money first, then pay for it. So Katie, you've been very enlightening in this conversation. I want to let you know. <laughs> so I'm already a better co-host. It's already. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I was, so go ahead. I was quickly demoted from your partner, but I'll get back there. I'll, I'll move back up it's in the, uh, in, 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 in time there, the, the barrier for success <laughs> compared to Jay is fairly low. So I have confidence that you'll sort it out. Um, Great. <laughs> but have you, have you been into a gym? Um, how many gyms, how many gyms do you think you've been in total? Oh, um, I would say probably less than 10. Oh, okay, cool. And did any of them, do do you remember any of them? Do you like walk in and be like, Ooh, this is like a pretty nice retail setup. Yeah. Um, I can remember two specifically really stood out as having nice retail setups and the others just did not have any kind of setup. No retail setup. That I can remember. Let's give them a shout out. Who were the good ones? Do you remember? Um, well, yeah. So one was the gym that I was at that closed right. last year. That was a great fellowship. one. And then fellowship. yep, one fellowship, yeah. one fellowship fitness. That was a great, it had a really good setup when you first walked in the door. Right. And then I've been to CrossFit Northeast Georgia um, here. It's in Gainesville, Georgia. And they oh, have a nice it. one. When you walk in, they have a cool, um, like a cool front desk and then all their retail is hanging up behind it. Did so. you buy anything? I did actually. I bought a tank top. I dropped go. in and did Murph there and I wanted a tank top. So there you go. Yeah. Yep. So th- this is something that comes up because people like, I think people know they should do retail, but they don't know how. And then mm-hmm. if, if you're like most gym owners, like when you think about retail, all you think about, it's like one of two camps. People are just like, I'll spend money on retail and they buy way too much shit. And it's just sunk cost. It just sits on the shelf mm-hmm. or the other. We're like, I'm not doing that. I don't want to spend that money because they don't have any money. So there's ways around both of those. You shouldn't carry when you're first rolling this out, you should carry limited extra um, uh, inventory 
and don't get crazy with the sizes, small, medium, large, like that's it. Don't go tons of extra larges. Yes, there are people that wear extra larges, but it's very small percentage, right? In the, in the CrossFit space. Um, as you start to sell more product, then you can start to expand your inventory and carry different sizes, more designs simultaneously, all that kind of stuff. But when you start, keep it simple. That way you don't have to spend a ton of money to make, to get this thing rolling. Um, and the other thing, and I might have brought this up before is like, uh, how to make it profitable in, in my experience, the best way to do that is separate these accounts, right? If at all possible, retail should be operated of a totally separate account. So if you have four or five bank accounts, if you're doing profit first, just add one a bank account to that. Uh, if you can set things to go direct deposit into that bank account, that's great. Have its own card. And then everything gets purchased, gets purchased out of that account. If you don't have that, then I would run a report and push press or whatever you got at the end of the month. Like what'd you do in retail sales? Take off 6%, 10%, whatever, if you want for taxes and then push that over to your tax account and then take that and then move that sale revenue into that retail account. And that way it becomes its own self-sustaining ledger. So in end retail should always make money, like always, like at no point should that be going down unless you're making a big purchase. It should only go up, it should only go up. And that's a way to make sure that you don't steal from yourself. It's also a way to make sure that if it is going well, that you can reallocate those funds elsewhere. So uh, I, I just, people suck at this and it's not because they want to suck at it. It's because they just don't know any better. Um, but these are some pretty simple tactics, tactics that you can put in place in order to like really play around with the idea of retail and start to do it um, at least at the bare minimum a little better. Because uh, at the end of the day, like you should be selling anywhere between thirty to sixty thousand dollars in retail annually. If you're selling two thousand dollars a month, you should you know think about that. If you're getting a forty percent margin and you're selling forty thousand dollars, you're going to be making a decent profit off that over the year. Um, and that's not outlandish at all. So, um, so I hope this stuff helps. If you guys have questions about retail, ask Katie, because she's put out a ton of good information in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> super helpful. Um, but yeah. Um, Katie, is there anything that you would add to this? Um, no, I thought that was great. Uh, other than if you are interested in learning more and diving more into retail, uh, DMS about affiliate you and we'll uh, help you out. Is that a, what is affiliate you? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, affiliate you is give a us program. Your, give me your elevator. Have you been practicing, Katie? Give give us give me the elevator pitch of affiliate you. If like if you walk if I walked in, we sat in the elevator. I don't know why we'd say okay. if we walked in the elevator, and I was just like, "What is affiliate university?" Because you're wearing mm -hmm. a t-shirt, obviously, to promote the brand. Yeah. What would right, you say? Right. We're going from the first floor. How many floors are we going to? I'll get. I'll let you be in control here. Give me five floors five how about floors. that okay. for like 30 seconds okay let's see if i can do it that's <laughs> a slow elevator, a slow elevator. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you 20 seconds 20 seconds okay all right so affiliate university is built for box owners by box owners jason fernandez and jason ackerman two seminar staff members um current and former box owners and uh, it is help you level up as a box owner and then uh to take your affiliate to the next level sign me up <laughs> no that was good no in all, serious, in all seriousness guys if you have questions about retail stuff or uh if you just want to get on a phone call and just chat about your affiliate and how we can help you hit us up and we'll see you next time so you never miss an episode of the podcast subscribe to our youtube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at 
best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time.